Welcome to the Arthroscopy Association's Arthroscopy Journal Podcast. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the Arthroscopy Association or the Arthroscopy Journal. Welcome, everyone. I'm Dr. Marty Leland from University Hospitals in Cleveland, Ohio, and co-founder of this podcast. Today, I have the honor of introducing my good friend, Dr. Rob Hartzler from the San Antonio Orthopedic Group in San Antonio, Texas. Dr. Hartzler was the lead author of the paper, Arthroscopic Joint Preservation in Severe Glenohumeral Arthritis Using Interpositional Human Dermal Allograft, which was published in November 2017 in the Arthroscopy Journal. His co-authors included Dr. Malapi, Dr. DeBeer, and Dr. Burkhart. Coincidentally, Dr. Hartzler is also one of the moderators for this very podcast, but today we'll be taking the role of author instead of moderator. Welcome, Rob, and thanks for joining me. Your group is also one of the earliest adapters of the superior capsular reconstruction. What is it with the San Antonio Orthopedic Group and human dermal allografts? Do you guys own stock in that stuff? Well, thanks for having me on, Marty. It's uh, great to be on the other side of the microphone, so to speak. And I am glad that you brought up um, SCR because glenoid resurfacing and SCR both fit philosophically under this idea of joint preservation surgery. And it is true that um, human dermal allograft seems to be our workhorse for doing these kind of operations. So uh, there's a similarity there, both from a surgical technique standpoint and uh, from a philosophical standpoint. Traditionally, shoulder biologic resurfacings were performed with meniscus allograft tissue sewn into a circular shape. Some of these studies showed failure rates of 50% or higher by three to five years postoperatively. Why do you think your study showed significantly better results? The difference, I think, in the dermal allograft and the meniscus, a um, couple of things. One's the size of the graft. So um, the dermal allograft, uh, although both are under the same kinds of shear forces, probably the dermal allografts have a little bit better ability to withstand um, those forces until uh, healing uh, has taken place. Uh, another difference is that a lot of the meniscal studies uh, were done in conjunction with humeral head hemiarthroplasty. And so that's been an operation that has had really variable and mixed results and um, we think is quite a lot different than the all arthroscopic technique that we described in this uh, article. Do you think you actually get better fixation of the dermal allograft to the glenoid than they used to with the meniscus? Yeah, I'm not sure about that. I mean, meniscus obviously is really hardy tissue and the newer human dermal allografts are, have quite good mechanical properties as well, especially um, the, the three millimeter thickness, which is our go-to graph now for this operation. But it may be that the uh, human dermal graft is... Uh, incorporated faster. And so if it does heal, uh, there's a faster ability to um, become biologically incorporated and therefore uh, be successful from a, a mechanical standpoint as well. And then you also mentioned the humeral hemiarthroplasty, and that is actually something that I wanted to ask you about. Some surgeons advocate uh, using the hemi humeral hemiarthroplasty with the biologic resurfacing, and some have actually reported very good results at five plus years. You seem to not be a proponent of doing that uh, hemiarthroplasty, it sounds. Yeah, so I mean, I, I consider you know, that to be basically a variant of um, of prosthetic arthroplasty, just trying to avoid doing any, anything on the glenoid side. So when I think about humeral hemiarthroplasty with a biologic glenoid, um, I think of that in the, in the same family as ream and run and, or just straight hemiarthroplasty or total shoulder where... Um, the difference between that and a joint preservation surgery 
um, like Peter Millet's CAM procedure or, or glenoid resurfacing, uh, primarily the difference is that you're not violating the subscapularis, you know, a philosophical standpoint. Uh, you're giving the patient an opportunity to preserve more of the most critical tissue uh, in their joint. Again, a perfect segue to my next question, which was uh, talking about the CAM procedure. Uh, Dr. Millet from the Stedman Philippon Group in Vail has popularized his technique, which, as you had said, re- he refers to as the CAM procedure, also known as the Comprehensive Arthroscopic Management Procedure for the Treatment of Glenohumeral Arthritis. A video of how he performs that procedure can be found on Arthroscopy Techniques online at www.arthroscopytechniques.org. How would you compare and contrast your procedure to his, and why do you feel the dermal allograft interposition is needed? Well, when we uh, when we first started to uh, talk about glenoid resurfacing, um, we always recommended that surgeons not go after uh, the big inferior humeral neck osteophytes, the goat speared osteophytes, um, just because of the danger to the axillary nerve in that area. Uh, currently, uh, we've evolved a little bit to where I'm actually being a lot more aggressive in removing that bone. Um, and so essentially my current technique for doing glenoid resurfacing is doing cam surgery a la Peter Millet and then adding the human dermal allograft uh, resurfacing on the end of that. So um, that is quite a lot of surgery and uh, these are fairly technically complicated, but it is an operation which I'm really excited about and um, I really like treating young patients with severe osteoarthritis. Um, because I think that I, we have a lot of tools to help these patients now. And I think that we actually have a lot more hope for improving their shoulders currently in this era than we ever have before in the past. So you mentioned taking off the osteophyte removal. I know Dr. Millet also does do a biceps tenodesis and a subacromial decompression with partial chromioplasty in all of his cases. Do you go, do you add both of those as well? Yeah, typically I'm doing a subpack biceps tenodesis um, just to try to avoid um, any extra anchors um, around the humeral head. And I I haven't done a lot of subacromial work because usually these patients are quite young, uh, the ones that I'm doing glenoid resurfacing on. So um, it's they've already been through a lot of surgery by the time we get finished. So um, I haven't been doing very much subacromial work with them. I also haven't really done much formal dissection of the axillary nerve, um, but we do um, an extensive capsular release and a manipulation um, uh, prior to uh, doing um, the uh, glenoid resurfacing uh, with the allograft. So um, it is, I think, fair to say that currently we're basically doing essentially everything that that Dr. Millet does in CAM and then adding the allograft. And I think, you know, the justification for doing that is that he's shown um, that severity of osteoarthritis, um, both clinically and radiographically, is a risk factor for failing that. So, you know, what what if you have a 30-year-old patient who has no joint space and has severe pain and dysfunction? So he's shown that that patient's at fairly high risk for failing CAM only. Um, and so that patient I'll talk to about the dermal allograft. Um, it is a, a non-homologous use of it. So that's an off-label use. So the patient has to be made aware of that. Um, but I think that um, for the right patient, it's a worthwhile intervention. And, um, you know, just to circle back to where we started, these human dermal grafts just have an unbelievable ability to be integrated into the body and converted um, into different uh, other types of tissue um, that's been shown in basic science animal models um, and in human 
biopsy specimens um, from various authors. So uh, it's a, I think, modern take on a very old idea um, that we can go into an arthritic joint um, and um, turn an ankylose joint uh, into something that's essentially new again. You know, I, I might put you on the spot here, but you mentioned off-label indication for dermal allografts. I actually don't know what the indication for dermal allograft is. So my understanding is that the recipient site has to be identical or very similar to the donor site. So if we're placing human dermis intraarticular as a resurfacing uh, graft, that is a, a non-homologous or off-label use. But in cases of SCR, would that be an on-label or off-label indication? That's an on-label. That's a homologous use. And um, it's because of the similarity of uh, dermis to the capsule. Another question. Uh, in your study, you found that older patients had a higher rate of failure with the average age of patients who required revision surgery being 60 years old, while the average age of patients with successful results being 53 years old. Do you have any thoughts as to why the younger patients did better with your procedure? So that's a really complicated issue. And I think that one thing to keep in mind is that the actual odds ratio for that risk factor weren't very high. So even though it was statistically significant, um, the older group wasn't at that much more risk of failure. But that being said, it is something that I use in counseling uh, these types of patients. And there are a lot of patients, I think, who are a little bit old on the older side for glenoid resurfacing, like let's say 55 to 65 years old who are facing a prosthetic joint replacement, but really feel that they don't want to have the lifetime activity restrictions that we might place on them or just that they don't want to have a prosthetic joint replacement. And so they're really intrigued by biological solutions. And, and I think um, the uh, interest in the general public with uh, biological treatments is a testament to that fact. But it may be that older patients simply don't have enough biological healing potential uh, to heal the graft. It may be that both the older patient and the surgeon are more willing to abandon a strategy of joint replacement um, and go on to a revision with a prosthesis, whereas the younger patient, um, even if they're not doing so well clinically, may uh, hold out and um, and continue on uh, as they're doing. So, of course, in this study, we define failure as revision to a prosthesis. So uh, that has something to do with um, that result as well. Yeah, that's a really interesting point that you actually made at the very end of your paper, where you said the younger patients may have a lower revision rate, simply because they recognize that at their young age, they really can't go to a shoulder replacement. I mean, technically they can, but it's really not a good decision for a 35-year-old to go to a total shoulder or a reverse total shoulder. So they may be willing just to wait it out and live through it even though they might not be doing as well as they would want to. Thank you so much, Dr. Hartzler, for your time. His article, Arthroscopic Joint Preservation in Severe Glenohumeral Arthritis Using Interpositional Human Dermal Allograft, can be found in the November 2017 issue of the Arthroscopy Journal or online at www.arthroscopyjournal.org. Thank you for joining us.